You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Jeremiah, please. Jeremiah 37. Thank you to Brother Watts and Brother uh, Ricky. And thank you, Miss Odell. It was good to hear that organ playing tonight. And uh, I appreciate uh, that so much. And uh, I was teasing uh, the other day. I forget when it was, but I was teasing. I, was, I think it was in a service, right? I called you and Miss Drew. I called you out publicly and said, we can't wait. Uh, and I appreciate you being willing to play that organ. You do a great job. Well, we are in the book of Jeremiah. I keep telling, our, telling uh, you that we're going to take a break, but God just keeps working in my heart. So we're going to keep rolling through the book of Jeremiah a little bit longer. And uh, we may take a break here in a little bit. But for now, uh, we'll just keep on going. Jeremiah 37 in your Bibles. And notice with me verse number 1. The Bible says, And King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned, Instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land did hearken unto the words of the Lord, which he spake by the prophet Jeremiah. And Zedekiah the king sent Jehuchal, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Maaseiah, the priest, to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Pray now unto the Lord our God for us. That's interesting. We'll look at that in a moment. Now Jeremiah came in and out among the people. Uh, he had not been put in prison yet, so he just kind of came and went as he wanted to, for they had not put him in prison. Then Pharaoh's army was come forth out of Egypt. Now this is a different army. We're talking about the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that they have come to besiege Jerusalem. But now the Bible speaks of another army, Pharaoh's army, that was come forth out of Egypt. And when the Chaldeans that besieged Jerusalem heard tidings of them, they departed from Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus shall you say to the king of Judah that sent you unto me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which is come forth to help you, shall return to Egypt into their own land, and the Chaldeans shall come again and fight against this city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus saith the Lord, verse 9, Deceive not yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans shall surely depart from us, for they shall not depart. For though ye had smitten the whole army of the Chaldeans that fight against you, and there remained but wounded men among them. Yet they should rise up every man in his tent and burn this city with fire. Lord, speak to us, I pray, as we look at your precious word. We love you, and we are so thankful that we can study the scriptures, we can search the scriptures, and we're thankful that all scripture uh, is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. Lord, we look at this passage from the book of Jeremiah, from the nation of Judah, from so many years ago, but yet we know that this passage of Scripture has some teaching, and it has some instruction, and it has some warning for us in 2021. And I pray that we would be hearers, and I pray that we would be doers of the Word tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I want you to notice in these first few verses, we read quite a few, and I'm going to kind of uh, race through these first few because I've got somewhere I'm trying to get tonight. I don't mean after church. I mean like right in, in the message. I got somewhere I'm trying to get uh, didn't come out right. But number one, or verse number one, I want you to see that the king is King Zedekiah. Zedekiah was the last king of Judah. He was the, the worst and he was the weakest. Sometimes people say, you know, they saved the best for last. Well, in this case, uh, the last one was the worst one. And that's the king right now of Judah here in this passage. I want to remind you tonight that kings and rulers come and go. The Bible says here that it's Zedekiah who was the son of Josiah. There's another king and he reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim. There are four kings listed in that first, first few uh, phrases of verse 1. Well, guess what? Kings come and go. People come and go. But can I tell you, I'm glad the God we serve is a God who is the everlasting king. And he is on the throne. He always has been. He always will be. And don't, don't get worried. You say, oh, the, 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 my workplace is in such a turmoil. There's a boss at work and he or she, they are a pain. Well, hey, bosses come and go, right? Say, oh, my neighbor, my neighbor is driving me up a wall. Well, neighbors come and go. And, uh, you know, is that church member? Well, unfortunately, church members come and go too. Hopefully, uh, they come and they don't go. But can I tell you, people come and go. But just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't get all stressed out and worked up and all nervous about what's going on. Just, just keep your eyes on Jesus. He'll, he'll take good care of you. Notice verse number one. This king, Zedekiah, the Bible says, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. So this verse says that Nebuchadnezzar actually appointed Zedekiah. He said, all right, buddy, you're running the show here and don't mess it up. Well, I understand that Zedekiah was placed there by Nebuchadnezzar. But the book of Daniel reminds us that it's not man that sets up kings. It's not man who puts kings in positions of authority, but rather it is God himself who sets up and takes down world rulers. I want to remind you that God is in control. Uh, God's in control of the Middle East. God's in control of the United States of America. God's in control of what's going on in Russia. God's in control of what's going on in China. God's in control of what's going on in Iran. God's in control of everything. He allows things. I'm not saying that it's exactly that's what God chooses, but God allows things. But God is sovereign. I'm so thankful for the sovereignty of God. God is in control. Notice verse 2. The Bible says that Zedekiah as the king, verse 2, neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land did hearken unto the words of the Lord. You know, I think for Zedekiah, it's very likely that because of his power, because of his position, I think it's very likely that Zedekiah felt like he didn't have to obey God. He didn't have to listen to God. Uh, I've seen this before. You've seen it before. Sometimes somebody, their life will be a mess. You ever known somebody like that? Their life was just a mess and they got right with God and they got things figured out and they got things right and God started to bless them. 
And God started to bless them and God put the family back and God blessed them with a good job and God blessed them and, and things were going well. And then when things started going well, that person thought they did not need God anymore. Friend, I want to warn you, uh, we all will need God. We will need God until he calls us home. And when we get to heaven, we're still going to need God. He'll be the reason we're there. But can I tell you, don't ever get to a point with power or authority or a, a position. Don't ever get to the point to where you think you do not need the Lord. I think about in our church, we've got some longtime members. And can I tell you, I'm thankful for our longtime members that are still faithful to church. I'm thankful for the chairman of our deacons, Brother Askew and his wife, Miss Becky, and their faithfulness. Can I tell you who's here for every service? Can I tell you who's serving? Can I tell you who's faithful? Uh, it's the Askews. You say, well, they've heard it all. Oh, they've, they've been here and preaching longer than I've been alive. But can I tell you something? They've never gotten to a point where they felt like they did not need the Lord where they did not need the Bible, where they did not need prayer, where they did not need the church. And can I tell you, don't ever get to a point where you think you don't need him because if you think you don't need him, you're wrong. And I'm wrong. We do need him. Zedekiah felt like maybe he didn't need God, didn't need to listen. The Bible tells us that not only Zedekiah, but his servants and the people. I want to remind us today that everything rises and falls on leadership. And I wonder if things would have been different had Zedekiah said, you know, folks, we need to listen to God. Folks, we need to hear from God. Folks, we need to obey God. I wonder how things might have been different in the land of Judah had they had a leader who would have listened to God. Notice with me, if you would, verse number three. The Bible says that the Zedekiah, the king, he sent Jehuchal, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Maaseiah, the priest, uh, to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Pray now unto the Lord our God for us. Now, wait a second. This is the guy that's not been listening to God, right? This is the king who says, we don't care what God has to say. We don't need what God has to say. We're not concerned with what God has to say. And now that king says, hey, guys, I want you to go to Jeremiah and ask him to pray for us. Now, that right there, and maybe I'm missing something, but that right there doesn't make sense. Why would you pray to a God who you don't even care what he says? That's what Zedekiah did. The king who would not listen to God now asked Jeremiah to pray to God for him and the people. I'll tell you this. You say, well, what did Jeremiah do? I think he probably prayed for him. Did you know I think we should pray for people who don't even believe in God? I think we should pray for people who are unsaved. I think we should pray for people who are atheists, who don't even believe God exists. I believe we should pray for people who are backslidden, who are away from God, people that are running for, from God. I think we ought to pray for those people. But can I tell you, I don't want to be the person that doesn't listen to God and doesn't heed what God has to say, but yet I'm still asking somebody to pray for me. Does that make sense? You, you follow me there? You understand what I'm saying? You see, if you won't listen to God, if I won't listen to God, why would we think that God would listen to us? Now, I know God is loving and I know God is gracious, but here's the king who knew better. 
Here's a king who, who had the word of God available and he would not hearken. And yet he has the audacity to say, uh, Jeremiah, I need you to pray for me. You know what the problem was? The problem was he wasn't treating God like God. He was trying to treat God like a genie in the bottle, wasn't he? It's like, I want God to do this for me, and I want God to do this for me, and I want God to do this. Friend, I want to tell you, our prayers should not be for what God can do for us, but our prayers should be what we can do then for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the gospel. We see that Zedekiah sent to Jeremiah asking for prayer. I'm thankful tonight we've got a good crowd here of, of adults in this auditorium for our prayer meeting. We've got a lot of adults that are out in the nurseries and out in the master clubs. And we've got, of course, our teens that are out. But can I tell you, we have so many opportunities to pray. I hope we take advantage of every opportunity. Uh, I hope when we have prayer requests, I hope we come to prayer meeting. I hope when we have prayer requests, I hope we'll, we'll tune in to our, our prayer line or our prayer group. I hope we'll take that prayer list that we pass out on Wednesday nights. And I hope you don't go from week to week without looking at it. But I hope you'll glance over it. And I hope you'll ask God to, to meet the needs and answer the prayers on there. I thank the Lord for what Brother Dan said while I was gone. He said, maybe you want to come and just come under the tent and just spend some time praying under the tent. Maybe you want to come just pull in the parking lot and just pray that God will do a work. Maybe you want to drive by the school property and just pray. Pray for God's blessing. I believe in prayer, but friend, I'm afraid sometimes we act like Zedekiah. We want God to do something and we want God to answer this, but yet we fail to live our lives like we believe that God can and like we believe that God will answer prayer. Verse number four, we see that Jeremiah is still free. He's not in prison yet. That's about to change. Notice quickly, number one, I didn't give you the outline. Number one, we see the disregard for God's word. They, they had no regard for the word of God. They would not hearken. Number two, we see their disobedience. Their disobedience was God said to do this and they did the opposite. They disobeyed God. Number three, I see our dependence upon God. You say, well, what's, what, what is our dependence on God? What does that look like? It looks like this right here. And I, I guess you folks on that side aren't going to be able to see very well. But it looks like this. This is dependence on God right here. And I know you can pray while you're standing up. And I know you can pray while you're driving. Please keep your eyes open if you pray while you're driving. But I know you can pray anywhere. But that's what dependence on God looks like when we pray. When we pray and say, God, I can't, I can't work out my marriage. God, I can't work out this problem at work. God, I can't uh, change this person's heart. God, I can't do anything about a wayward child. I can't do anything about a backslidden friend. God, I can't do it, but I need you. That is our dependence on God when we cry out and we call upon God. We see in verse number five that Jerusalem had been besieged. Jerusalem at any moment can be overtaken and destroyed. The people receive news that Pharaoh's army is coming and Pharaoh's army comes and scares off the Chaldeans. The people in Jerusalem, they were excited. Zedekiah is thinking, hey, this is great. We didn't need God after all. The Egyptians came and they're going to save us. And Jeremiah says in verse number uh, nine, he says, hey, don't deceive yourselves. He said, first of all, the Egyptians, they went back home. But secondly, he said, even if the Chaldeans, if they only had a handful of wounded men, 
Those wounded men, they would destroy this city because God had said that it would happen. We see number four, we see the deception. Verse number nine, Jeremiah says, deceive not yourselves. He says, don't say that the Chaldeans are going to leave because they're coming back and they will destroy I want you to mark in your Bible or maybe jot a note on a, a piece of paper if you have it, that phrase, deceive not yourselves. The Bible records for us in the book of Genesis that that serpent deceived Eve. Can I tell you, Satan is in the deceiving business. Satan will never tell you the truth. Satan will never tell you the way it really is. Satan will lie. Satan will cheat. Satan will, will steal. The devil never plays fair. And Satan will deceive you. If Satan could deceive Adam and Eve in the garden, in a perfect place where they were walking with God and talking with God every day, if Satan could deceive them, Satan can deceive you too. Don't be deceived. Did you know family members can deceive you? Did you know that friends can deceive you? Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 5, the Bible warns that neighbors can deceive you. Jeremiah 29, verse 8, the Bible says that prophets can deceive you. Did you know just because someone stands behind the pulpit and someone has a Bible and someone says, the Lord said so-and-so, that doesn't always mean it's true. You say, well, pastor, how are we supposed to know if it's true or not? You read the Bible for yourself and you search the scriptures for yourself. And that way, if anybody ever stands up in a pulpit or everybody, anybody ever gets on a radio or anybody ever gets on TV or gets on a blog or gets on Facebook and they preach anything, Contrary to what this book says, you will know because you have studied the word of God. You're not going to be deceived by that if you know the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The Bible says in Jeremiah 37 that it's possible to deceive yourself. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I see number four, I see the deception. The deception came, the people deceived themselves. I wanna ask you tonight, how do we deceive ourselves? What are some ways we deceive ourselves? I'll tell you one way we deceive ourselves is we like to justify our actions. We know that we're doing something that is contrary to the word of God, but we begin to justify it. Well, if you only knew the situation I was in, if you only knew the stress I was under, if you only knew what I was going through, if you only knew, then you would understand. Can I tell you, don't deceive yourself. Uh, don't, don't fool yourself just by trying to justify. How about this? We've all done this. We compare ourselves to somebody else. Well, I know, I know I shouldn't do this, but so-and-so, they did it. So I saw it on Facebook. So-and-so did it, and if so-and-so did it, and they're a good Christian, and they go to church, and they teach Sunday school, if they did it, then it's okay for me. 
Well, that's so funny because I've never read that verse in the Bible. What I see in the Bible is that we are all accountable for ourselves and we will all stand before God for ourselves, but you're not going to stand before God for somebody else. You're going to stand before God and I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for the things that I've done in my body. Sometimes we justify it. Sometimes we compare ourselves. I'll tell you how we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves when we live by experience rather than living by the Bible. Have you ever heard this? Well, in my experience, here's what I have found to be true. And I'm not saying that that hasn't happened in your experience. Well, can I tell you, that's a very shaky foundation. But here's the foundation you want to live with is the foundation of the Word of God that never changes, or you will be, I will be deceived. We deceive ourselves when we live in pride. I've already accomplished so much. I've already done so much. I've already seen God do so much in my life that I don't really need to pray about this decision. Can I tell you, you're deceiving yourself. Deuteronomy 11 says, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and that you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. 1 Corinthians 15 says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Be very careful the people you spend a lot of time with because the people you spend a lot of time with, they will influence you every single time. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Bible says in 2 John, Many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Friend, don't be deceived. I thought this was interesting of all the verses in the Bible that talk about being deceived. One verse is a verse about alcohol. Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is, what's the word? Deceived thereby is not wise. Can I tell you, we deceive ourselves. And Jeremiah says, don't do it. Don't deceive yourselves. Here's what God said. Here's the way it is. And you can count on it. Verse number 10, he warned them that even if the Chaldeans had been injured and even if there were only a few, they still could destroy the city. Verse number 11, it came to pass. The army of the Chaldeans was broken up from Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army. So they did leave for a while. Verse number 12, Jeremiah went forth out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to separate himself thence in the midst of the people. Would you hold your place there in Jeremiah 37 and turn back a couple pages to Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32 in verse number 8. Remember the lesson we, uh, we talked about where Jeremiah bought a piece of property. Remember that where he bought real estate? Notice where that real estate was in verse number 8 of Jeremiah 32. It says uh, that his uncle's son came to him in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, By my field I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin. So Jeremiah's got property in Benjamin, and verse number, uh, Jeremiah 37 and verse number uh, 12, it says he's going to the land of Benjamin. But verse 13 says that when he was in the gate of Benjamin, he's entering into uh, that, uh, that uh, land, 
that a captain of the ward was there whose name was Elijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. And he took Jeremiah the prophet saying, thou fallest away to the Chaldeans. This, this captain of the, the ward there in the land of Benjamin, he, he seizes Jeremiah. He arrests Jeremiah. And he says, I caught you. You were trying to escape to go to the Chaldeans. You were trying to defect to the enemy. Jeremiah is saying, what are you talking about? I'm not doing that. Notice his answer, verse 14. Then said Jeremiah, it is false. I fall not away to the Chaldeans, but he hearkened not to him. So Elijah took Jeremiah and brought him to the princes. Wherefore, the princes were wroth with Jeremiah, and they smote him. And they put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. I like for you to see number five, we see the difficulties. The difficulties that Jeremiah faces. One is he's lied about. This, this man comes and says, you were trying to escape. You were trying to go to the enemy. And Jeremiah says, no, I wasn't. He says, yes, you were. And he takes him and they smite him. They literally, they begin to strike him, to beat him. And they put him in prison for something that he had not done. Have you ever been lied about? Have you ever had someone do something to hurt you? for no reason, or for something that wasn't even true? Can I tell you, we go through that. And by the way, I'm not trying to say that we're facing anything like what Jeremiah faced. But there will be people who lie about you. Well, i tell you why they're going to church. And there are people who, everybody knows your motives, you know, they know your motives, they know what you're thinking, they know what's really going on. And you're thinking, well, no, that's not the reason I'm going to church because I want to please God and I'm going to church because I need something from God. And Oh, no, you're just going to try to impress everybody. You just think you're better than everybody else. You just think you're holier than thou. And you're thinking, no, no, if you only knew me, oh, you wouldn't be thinking holier than thou. Uh, I'm like the apostle Paul. I'm the chiefest of sinners, right? I'm the worst of the worst, if you only knew. But Jeremiah is facing difficulties. He's in prison. He's beaten. And then we get to verse number 16. It got worse. The difficulties then led to the dungeon. It says in verse number 16, when Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon and into the cabins. Now, that word cabins, I just have to explain to you. I just want to make sure you understand. That is not the cabins like we're going out camping, Okay. That word cabins literally means the prison cells. So Jeremiah goes from the dungeon and from the prison cells and things are going from bad to worse for Jeremiah. Can I tell you, sometimes you face difficulties. Maybe somebody lies about you or somebody does something to hurt you. And here's what you say. It's, it can only get better from here. And it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And sometimes you go from difficulties to the dungeons. And that's where Jeremiah was placed. The Bible says in the dungeon and in, into the cabins, Jeremiah had remained there many days. Sometimes we get into a bad situation. We say, well, this isn't going to last very long. I'll be, I'll be through this in just a couple days. And days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months, and maybe months turn into years. 
You say, what in the world are we going to do? Well, notice verse 17. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. He took him out of the dungeon. Interesting. And the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? Now that's an interesting question. I think I know what Zedekiah was looking for. He was looking for some good news. He was looking for something different than what God had already said before. But he asked Jeremiah, the prophet, he says, is there any word from the Lord? Now, hang on. Where has Jeremiah been for many days? He's been in the dungeon, right? He's been locked up because he was lied about. He's been locked up because uh, they didn't like him and they didn't believe him and they, they beat him and they put him in prison and then they put him in the dungeons and so he's been in the dungeon. He's not even been to Sunday school. He's not even been to prayer meeting or Bible study. He's not even been to Sunday morning preaching service. He's not been able... Now, and I understand, I understand that they didn't have the technology back then, but, but, but just follow me. He's not been able to do the daily devotions on Facebook, you know. He's not even been able to get the verse of the day. He's, God forbid, he's not even been able to listen to the winning side, you know, at noon, Monday through Friday. I mean, Jeremiah's been in the prison. Notice his answer. Is there any word from the Lord? I love this. Jeremiah says, as a matter of fact, there is. Now, I don't know if this will bless you like it blessed me. But even though Jeremiah was in the dungeon, guess what? God was still speaking to him. Can I tell you, you may feel like you're in a dungeon. You may feel like you're locked up. You may feel like you've been lied about or you've been mistreated or you may feel like things are difficult and it's been that way for a long time. You may feel like, but can I tell you, God can still speak to you. God can still speak to me no matter where we are no matter what we're going through. Is there any word from the Lord? Number six, number seven, excuse me, is the discovery. Jeremiah discovered that God still speaks in the dungeon. Jeremiah was in the dungeon. He was starving. He was fearful for his life. But yet God spoke to him and God opened the windows of heaven and sent him a message. Can I tell you? You may have things in your life that are not going the way you would plan. But God can. And God can sp still speak to you during those times. You don't even have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to call the preacher. You can get in the Word of God and you can hear from God 24-7, 365 days out of the year. Aren't you glad there is a Word from the Lord? I see the discovery. And then lastly, I see in verse number 21 that the king, in the word of the Lord, by the way, the word that Jeremiah said, he said, yep, king, there's a word. And the word is that the Babylonians are still coming and they're still going to destroy this city. Just like I said before, the message had not changed. In verse 21, then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah into the court of the prison and that they should give him daily a piece of bread out of the Baker Street until all the bread in the city were spent. Thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. 
I see, lastly, I see the daily bread. In this case, the daily bread came from the king. But in our case, I want to remind you where our daily bread comes from. Our daily bread comes from the bread of life. Our daily bread comes from the word of God, where Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This past uh, a couple weeks when my wife and I and our family, we were gone, we asked, and he's not in here to defend himself, but you can, you can ask him later, he'll tell you it's true. We asked uh, Brother Nathan if he'd be willing to go by uh, every day to make sure our cats were fed. Now, folks, they're outside cats, and the only reason we have cats is because my girls begged and begged and begged long enough, and I finally said yes, and so we've got cats. So Brother Nathan would go by, and he said he'd go, in through, go into the garage. That's where the cat food was, and he'd go to the garage door and open up the garage door, and he said after about the first day or so, they were expecting me. He said, and they were waiting at the door. They were so excited to see Brother Nathan because they knew he was bringing the daily cat food, the daily bread. And he said, it was just, it was routine. He said, about that time, he said, every day. He said, they were there, they were ready. Can I tell you, that's the way we ought to be with our daily bread. We ought to be eager. We ought to be anticipating. We ought to be hungry. We ought to be waiting for God to speak and waiting for God to show up. And you say, well, how long do we have to wait? Oh, just as long as it takes for you to open the pages of Scripture and start reading, God will give you something. Is there any word from the Lord? Verse 17, Jeremiah said, there is. I'll close with this, and I'll close my Bible to give you hope that I'm going to close with this. My wife and I, we were in California, and uh, we were working there at the college, and uh, I really was praying. God was working in my heart, and of course, uh, this uh, coming to Roanoke Rapids was something that God began to open the doors, and I was talking to uh, the pulpit committee, and I just, I didn't want to make a mistake. I didn't want to move my family cross country, and I didn't want to get here, and, uh, and then to realize this was not what God had for us. And so I was praying, and I was fasting, and I was doing everything to seek the Lord, and this was one passage that God gave me. I remember I was uh, driving up in the mountains there uh, overlooking the Bay Area in California near uh, Mount Hamilton, just probably about a 30-minute drive from where we lived. And I remember one particular day as I was praying, and, and I needed a word from the Lord. But can I tell you, it's wonderful when God speaks. And it's wonderful when you know that God is speaking to you. And I didn't hear an audible voice, and I'm not trying to sound spooky or strange. But I felt like God showed me and I felt like God showed my wife and God revealed to us that this is where we needed to be. Now, some of you might still be praying that we leave. You know, you're saying, boy, you've been here tormenting us long enough. It's time to move on. But can I tell you, I'm so glad that God still speaks. I'm glad that God speaks through his word. I'm glad that God can show you in any situation in life that you're facing. I've got the answer for you. You say, what is it? I don't know what it is, but I know it's in here. And I know if you'll read it, and I know if you'll pray, and I know if you'll seek God. I know if you'll say, God, is there any word for me? I know God will speak, and I know God will show you if you'll listen. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.